Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. That's fantastic. Look, we're starting a series today called Mind Games, and it's all about uh, the kind of things that go on within our mind that, that we are good at, that we are bad at, the things that, that trap us, trick us, and all these different things that we believe and one day find out that, that maybe they're not true. Like Santa, anyone? Or the Tooth Fairy, those things. Or you believe these kinds of things for a long time. Uh, until you have Christmas with my kids and then they ruin it or, or until one day that the, it's kind of re- revealed that these things weren't really accurate. The other one I enjoy is um, the Australian Idol uh, tryouts televised to the nation and it's at that moment where so many people find out they can't sing. <laughs> like isn't that, isn't that a truth that so, oh, for them, if you're in their shoes, that you wish that you found out before the TV cameras were on. But they lived this life thinking one th- way, thinking one thing was true for only eventually to be revealed it is nowhere near true. And just in a very embarrassing, awful kind of scenario. But we all kind of do this kind of thing. And I love this thought Craig Rochelle uh, says. He says, your, your life goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so the idea is, well, where are you heading right now? If you were to analyze the thoughts that you have about yourself and the things that you believe about the world and about God and who he created you to be, where is your life heading? Do you think that it's going in the direction that God has intended for you and plans for you? Is it going in a godly kind of way just based off the self-talk that you have and the things that you believe? Uh, or is it going in a zigzag? Like roller coasters are good f- and all like they're all fun until you're stuck on one, yeah? And some of us are living this kind of mind battle, this, this life on a roller coaster where we're good one day and we're bad the next and we believe that, think that, think this, all over the place. Whereas we need to come back and, and stop playing around with the games and figure out, well, how do I see and think clearly? And what does God say about the battle that's going on within every single one of our minds? Even if things are good for you, this isn't just when people are sad or when people are going through depression or people are going through things. We all have these areas that we believe that are just not accurate. And one revelation that I've, I've gone through studying this recently and, and for a long time, it's one area that I've identified and God's pinpointed for me going, Doug, this is a weakness of yours, is uh, I've learned to see our mind more botanical than mechanical is that it's more botanical like a garden. It's something that is cultivated and curated that can grow and die slowly. It can, it, it can build and we can come alongside the Holy Spirit and we have this honour of caring and tending to this botanical mind of ours and see the right things grow and the right fruit being produced through our thoughts and eventually through our lives because as our thoughts go, our life goes. Rather than thinking just X plus Y equals Z and things will just figure itself out, is no, we get to curate and care for the condition of our mind or our soul as well. And so we want to kind of look over this month of going, well, how can we kind of sift through the mind games that we play? Because this is an important thing, is we all believe these lies and we all have these kinds of things that are determining and dictating who we are becoming, the way we behave, the way we see the world. 
Uh, and God actually has a fair bit to say on this topic. And thankfully for those who are Christian, those who follow Jesus, one thing that he came to bring was deliverance. Now, it's a scary kind of word. It's not just reserved for those that go and like start scaring everybody. That's not the only thing deliverance is for. It's to bring this freedom uh, from any area that is keeping us stuck where we are and not where God wants us to be. Very clearly when it's possessed is that you need deliverance from a state that the enemy has you into a state of freedom. But so many of us need deliverance from one place where we are stuck and God is saying, I didn't create you to stay there. I need to deliver you from that into freedom, into what I have for you next. Yeah? And thank goodness Jesus has this ministry of deliverance that he wants to bring freedom for every single one of us. In Luke 4, 18, this is what Jesus said about himself. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. That is the gospel. To proclaim that you can know God. The first step, there's no way in finding freedom and discovering your purpose, making a difference, no way of growing in your faith without first knowing God. And so he says, that's the important part. Proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, this is the second thing, freedom for the prisoners. See, those of you who are still locked up, still bound, I'm here to proclaim that there is freedom for every single one of us. This is what Jesus came. He said, I want you to know that there is good news. The kingdom of God has come, that you can know God, and also that you, uh, there is freedom for you to grab hold of, that you're not a prisoner, you're not bound up anymore. Now, here's the thing. Many of us probably have stopped at the first one where we've accepted the good news. We know God, we're going to heaven, woohoo! But maybe we just wanna get there quicker because everything sucks. Or we might know God but we're not experiencing what He actually has for us here and now. We just think that it's there and later. But it's not. He's come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners here and now, recovery for the sight for the blind, which was a literal and physical, but also those who just can't see, those who have no vision, those who have no insight and foresight. Come on, we need that sight back. And to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know here that God's not just mildly interested in your thought life to make sure it's all friendly, kindness, rainbows and butterflies, not just to keep it pure and white and shiny and happy. That's not the only thing that He's interested in, just to make sure it's good. He's, he's very interested because this was a part of, this is a dominant part of His plan to bring freedom into your life. For you to experience everything that He has for you, He needs to get in and make sure your mind is not believing the wrong things, that it's not twisted, distorted. If we're seeing it like a botanical kind of garden, our mind is to make sure that it's not full of weeds. Because the more weeds that we have, the less fruit we'll be able to produce. It'll suck the nutrients out. It will start distorting. It'll, it'll take the attention away. And as pretty as some weeds are, they're still weeds. Jesus is very interested in making sure that our mind is right and that we're not getting sidetracked and believing the wrong things, that we're not going to get stuck in any area of the devil's darkness, but we can step into the light and life that Jesus has for us. See, a key verse that we'll work out of through this today and likely the, the series is in 2 Corinthians 10. This is where Paul's talking to his church about this kind of 
uh, this kind of thing about, look, there is a battle going on in your mind and it does dictate a lot in your life, but he actually gets quite practical and we want to, to learn from this as well. Now I'll break it down as we go. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they, which is our weapons that we use, have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now that's why I want to stop there because we all have those things. We all have strongholds. We all have these things that, that we're holding on to or that aren't budging easy. They're, they're, not, they're not easy just to go, well, here's the truth. We, oh, yep, sweet. Everything's changed. No, in a physical sense, stronghold is this very difficult, impenetrable uh, structure within a fortified city. It's this kind of, this fence that it's a, it's concrete is thicker, its walls are thicker, it's taller, it's higher. If you're getting beaten in a battle, you can retreat and likely survive in this stronghold because it's not easily defeated and destroyed. But we all have these in our life as well in so many different areas, especially when it comes to what we think about God. We have these things that have been ingrained in us and built within us that if you start challenging that, mm, it's hard to budge. And now sometimes that's good, when, especially when it's built upon a solid foundation, when it's built on truth, fantastic. But sometimes we've concocted our own view of who God is and developed this stronghold and that's determining how we approach Him. I know how you were raised or what the experiences you've had in church, but sometimes we get this attitude and we're like, mm, it's jarring. We have this stronghold. When it comes to how we think about ourselves and what we should do and react and live and the way we see other people or the way we think about, about any given topic, that we have these strongholds that aren't easily broken down. Not, not easily kind of just moved on from and whatever it might be. We buy into a lie and over time it, it kind of becomes a part of who we are. It's ingrained within us. It's a pattern or a neurological pathway that put me in this scenario, this is said, and all of a sudden, boom, the trigger of events starts naturally unfolding. An insecurity or whatever it might be. We all have these things. And it tends to show in, in relationships or addiction or whatever it might be. Anyway, we'll continue. It says, we demolish these arguments uh, and pretensions, which is where we get the word pretend from. So things that are pretending to be real. We demolish these arguments and pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Now that's important because it's, what it's essentially saying there is that there is a truth about God and there is a truth in your life or that God has for you that you are not currently believing. It's good news though, isn't it? Imagine if you, like you knew 100% of everything that God has and you 100% believe it and still life is like this. <laughs> Isn't it good to know that it's like, hey, if I find out a little bit more about who God is, if I can just see a little bit more of, of who He is and understand what He's saying to me, that I can, my world could change. That's good news for us of going, this isn't the peak, saying yes to Jesus, put my hand up one day and then just wait until I die and things get better from there. No, come on, that this is for us now, that there is truth, there is knowledge of God about Him and about who we are that can change things as they are. And we take captive every single thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, a simple kind of breakdown, what I see is strongholds that keep us where we are is 
It's a deception which traps its unaware captors. A stronghold is often we don't know what we don't know. We're unaware of the things that are going on in our life because that's just how it's always been. It's what we, this is the lie that we've always believed or it's one that seems quite legitimate. So we have become an unaware captor of something. We don't even think it's, we don't think it's a prison. We just think this is life. And where we actually trapped because a lie believed as the truth will still affect us as if it were true. A lie you believe about yourself will always affect you as if it were true. <clears throat> I got a story of a few years ago, we were renovating our house in the kitchen and so it, things were a little bit like there was a lot of stuff out of the kitchen uh, and kids were playing a bit ratty and crazy because we were knocking the walls down anyway. But they played this game of hide and seek and uh, Judah, my middleest child, he was hiding and he's no good at hide and seek but he's a heap of fun. Um, but so he'll just start calling out and giggling the whole time. The moment you hit zero to the moment you find him, he's giggling. Um, and so he hid in a kitchen cupboard one time and I was at the, I started like a good dad and um, was like, just played it up a little bit going, is he in the cup? No, he's not under the rug. I don't, oh no, where is he? And he could hear and he's giggling away and having a good old time. Eventually worked my way into the kitchen and I look through all the other cupboards, make a big noise and he thinks he's so smart and tr better than me. Get to the final cupboard, open up and say, gotcha. He's like, ah, and then I go, boom, shut the door and stand in front of it. <laughs> I said, I started like a good dad <laughs> and then turned into a funny dad. But and he was all good, it was all laughing, and let me out, let me out, bang, 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 and it was laughing, this isn't just the way I remember it, okay? <laughs> and Beck's not here to clarify, so this is the truth. <laughs> bang, bang, like, let me out, let me out, like, no, I'll never let you out, ah, ah, ah. like, that's it, we've only got one kid now, and uh, bang, 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 laugh, 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 the laughing kind of starts getting a little bit less and a little bit more concern in his voice, and Beck's concerned, I'm like, no, no, it, mum will step in when it starts scarring, Yeah? You're like, you know, this might come up in future sessions. Uh, but so she, it, it was all passable in mum's eyes. And so I was like, all right, all right, let's keep going. Bang, bang, bang. We banter back and forwards. Anyway, uh, after a minute or so of this happening, I thought, well, let's do a little experiment on the kid. And so I started, I just moved back away from the door and on the other side of the kitchen going, you'll never get out. And he's like, boom, 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 let me out, let me out. Now to give some context, this door, if he just breathed in that direction, would have just flung open. Like it, it's not a lockable door, it's not a tight door. There's a reason we were replacing the kitchen in this house. It was awful. Uh, but he was just banging on the roof and kicking the wall in front of him. And I was on the other side of the kitchen and he was still trapped in this cupboard that he could have so easily have gotten out of until it started getting scary and mum came over and opened the door. And all of a sudden he thought, mum is my saviour. <laughs> which is probably true. Thank goodness for mums, right? Otherwise, well, dads would have a lot of fun and kids would never call me when they're older. But, <laughs> oh, but he's believed this lie and the thing about the, the lie he believed was it affected him as if it were true. The lie that I was still holding the door, I, I stopped holding it after about 10 seconds. I thought it was funny enough. But he believed that I was still locking him in. And that affected him as if I were. And see, so many of us have this idea that we are trapped and stuck where we are when the, the, the reality is that Jesus came and demolished every kind of thing that the enemy was working on to hold you stuck. I was talking in, in the, between the services. I'm like, as Christians, we need to come back to the final words of Jesus on the cross. Do we believe it? 
when he said, it is finished. It is finished. Has he or has he not finished the work? Now, there are some things that we need to learn to live to grab hold of, but I think most of it is starting to understand that we believe a lot of lies, that the enemy is very happy to keep us locked in this prison that doesn't actually exist. And we are trapped in this place. Whereas if we can come to understand that there is freedom already granted in Jesus, grab a hold of it in faith and by the grace of God, realise that, come on, best news of the day is the door is open. Whatever that prison we find trapped in, whatever insecurity it is that we are battling, wherever we think that this is life and it can't get any better, God's got no more plan, this is my value, this is who He is, this is it. The news is, come on, the door is already open. We just need to learn how to identify this is a prison. I'm trapped in something. I was unaware that I was even a captor, but here I am identifying it so now I can understand that there is nothing sticking me in this cell. The door is open. It's the best news that I think we can have. And so let me ask, what lies are you currently entertaining? See, I think that there are, we we can easily start every single one of us here with thoughts that even we're skeptical of but we believe it anyway. Stuff that we go, ooh, I'm pretty sure that's not right. When we're thinking about, oh, well, isn't Jesus, well, that's not a great way to start the convo. Let me help you to start with. Any kind of justification for our sin would be a lie that we've believed. Holding us in a certain spot when God wants us to be free and delivered from that habit, that addiction, that hurt. Anytime we justified our way or justified a reason for holding on to the things that God actually wants us to let go of. Come on, that'd be a good one. Uh, Any assumption we have on Jesus that wasn't founded in the Word or in like a good revelation, but from a TikTok video. (laughs) This generation gets so much of their theology online, it's terrifying. (laughs) It sounds loving. It sounds nearly kind of like Jesus. It sounds really similar to something Satan would have said. <laughs> it's grabbed something good and, sound, and pure and true and just twisted it enough to be off. Uh, here's probably the big one that everyone will be able to jump straight to is, and what are the insecurities that you are letting live rent-free that you have? Those, in, those struggles, those views of yourself, you know, that are chipping away at your self-confidence, your self-worth, the, the value you feel that God might see you with or that you feel on yourself, the way you're looking at other people. These insecurities are, well, these are things that I, I talked to God a little while ago and he keeps bringing it up. It seems cruel. I asked for it, I know, but it hurts. Because what he's revealed to me is that every insecurity that I have about myself is just pride because it's this, it's pretending to be true and putting itself up against what God has said about me. And got to this point, he said, you're either going to believe that lie or you believe what I say, Doug. And if I choose the lie, well, it's just, the Bible's other word for that is pride. And what are these things that, that we are allowing within us and living by this stronghold? And the good news we come back to is that Jesus wants us to be free from that that there is deliverance for us and that there is a way for us to grab hold of it and and start to understand that there is more. And the good news again, 
Come on, no matter what that insecurity is or justification or fear or whatever it is, the good news is for you and for me is the door is open. That we aren't trapped, that this stronghold has already been destroyed and we are just hanging out in it as if it's still fortified. Isn't that good? Come on, freedom is ours, church. I feel I need to stick on this just for a minute. Freedom is ours. We need to stop settling for anything less than what Jesus died on that cross to get to us. It sounds nearly humble of going, oh no, this will just take this. Come on, no, it's disrespectful. If Jesus died that we might obtain it, we need to keep pursuing until we've obtained it. Don't just go, oh, this is life and this is, I'm just mild and meek and I'll carry this burden. No, come on, there is freedom for us. There is deliverance for us. Whatever it is holding us back from what God intends for us, come on, there is freedom from this stronghold. Let's press forward and go, Lord, I need to renew and change my mind that I might be able to see my life move in a different direction. Where I am right now is not where I was always intended to be, so I am not staying here. Let's tear down everything that's got me trapped open every door to every prison cell I feel that I'm in until I've become completely free in Jesus' name. So I wanna go through a few things that I think every person, especially if you're a follower of Jesus here, three things that, that we need to do, Paul kind of points out in 2 Corinthians, that if we can grab a hold of, we'll see our life go in a different trajectory. I said, if our life goes in the direction of our strongest thoughts and where our mind is, oh, we need to grab control of this so we can take it in the right path, take it in the right direction, yeah? So the first thing that we need to be able to do and learn to do is to take back our thought life. We need to take back the thought life. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we take every thought captive. Man, there is so much rubbish that comes in and out willy-nilly, right? Like we, it just, it floats around our head with, without any rules, regulations, no accountability, none of that stuff, just in and out, in and out. And I think the biggest thing that we can grab hold of to take back our thought life is controlling the things that go in. Once they are in, well, it's a nearly fair game, what's going on. Then we need to acknowledge what we're saying and take that captive to Jesus. But if we can get ahead of the curve and take back our thought life and look at the content that we are allowed to con- allowing ourselves to consume, if we can take our thought life back and, and check out the stuff we are scrolling through and letting social media and news agencies and all sorts of things influence our life and our self-opinion and our worldview, take back our thought life instead of filtering it through all the gossip and all the nonsense we see and start seeing it through a Christian, a biblical worldview of going, I can see that everything is chaos, but when I look through the Bible, I see that there is hope. I see there is good news. I see that there is more to the story. That might have been what happened, but what is happening is in the hands of God. And we need to take back our thought life and start viewing these things a little bit different and start seeing what we're allowing in before it even gets in. Find uplifting people rather than just wet blankets that we all hang out with. Identifying, going, every time I'm around all of my friends, I just get crankier, get bitter. I've got more things to whinge about. I thought I went there just to dump. It turns out I walked away with more garbage. <laughs> oh, I need to stop all this stuff getting into me so I can take back my thought life. Romans 8, verse 5 to 6, Paul says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
In other words, you're dominated by it because it's all you're thinking about, constantly thinking about those sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. Oh, where is there death? If he controls your what? Your mind. And so death isn't the end, like eventually it will be, but death means separation. When we die physically, our spirit separates from the body. When we die spiritually, we are separated from God. But can I tell you that if you are not curating and looking after your mind, tending to your mind, letting it fill with weeds and lies and things like that, there will be separation and death in relationships. There will be this separation in, in, in who you are, in your identity, in, 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 in work life, in your family, wherever it might be. It will come through. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. And we need to take back our thought life. And there is no way of delegating this to someone. There's no way of delegating it to, to Jesus. He's already, it is finished. His job, he's done. It's delivered. It's free. He's like you were in a prison, push the door open. Oh, but we take it back. 100%, we need people around us. We need to see people who know how to help us through these things. But it's us to take responsibility going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change what's going in and where my mind is set. It's not going to be set on hopelessness, but on things filled with hope. It's going to be set on the things of God. Yeah. A few chapters later, Paul writes again, Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Oh, how's he going to do that? Well, he says, by changing the way you think. He wants to change us into a new person. And God's methodology here is, let me change the way they think first and then I'll change who they are. Because we'll never change our life until we can change the way we think. And we will never experience the life God has for us until we think the way He's thinking. Until we know what He thinks. So let's diagnose it again. Where is your mind taking you? If your life goes in that direction of your strongest thoughts, where are you going? Is it following God's path for you or are you believing the lies about who you say that you are? That I'm this, I'm that, I'm no good, I'm mm, uh, I don't want my life to go in that direction and yet I believe so much of the rot that I say. I need to come back and say, well, God, who are you saying that I'm? What are you saying about this situation? Who, how, how do I even approach you and who are you? See, I don't determine who he is and I don't determine how I approach God. He has already said, here is who I am and here is how you approach me. Well, I don't like singing. Well, lucky we're not worshipping you. It's something that God has said, here is how you approached me. I'm not really a prayer person. Well, tough. God said, this is how you talk. This is how we communicate. This is how you get freedom. This is how you get that breath back in your spiritual lungs. I'm not good at reading. Well, get audio Bible. Get someone to read it to you. Get Anna to sing it to you. I don't know, but find a way. There's a price on everything. But we don't get to determine these things. And yet so much of our time, and I find so many Christians have already predetermined themselves who God is, what He says for me to do. And we've justified and, and twisted it all, but we just come back to going... No, I need to, I need to submit and surrender to what he's said. Yeah. 
about who he is and how I am to approach and what I am to do and live. Because I'm not going to experience a God result without a godly way. The second thing we need to do other than take back our life is identify the lie. It's what Paul says again in 2 Corinthians that we demolish these arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is a difficult thing for do, to do, and I say this regularly, it's hard to do because deception is quite deceiving. <laughs> no little child that believes in Santa uh, is there going, this is a fun life for me to believe. No, they dead set believe that this is it. There's a big fat man with a red suit that jumps down my chimney. I don't even have a chimney. I don't, don't question it. Until someone else points out to them, as I said, using my kids, points out to them, that's not real. And this is where I think to identify the lie, why we need community, why we need help from the right people, why we need these uh, psychologists and ideally godly people in our life to help us identify that we can say, hey, here are my thoughts. Here's how I feel about myself or what I'm doing or my value or self-worth or how, I, how I'm seeing God. Is this, is this interpretation of the Bible, is that accurate, do you think? And we say it out loud so that someone else can call us on the lies that we're believing and go, oh, that doesn't sound right. This is where iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. We need this community. We need people around us. There's a big reason why we have small groups and keep them quite relational. So it's not one person telling you all of their strongholds. But it's all of us saying, hey, this is where I feel God's talking to me and able to hash it out with other people. Or this is how I'm going at work. Or man, my boss is a blah, blah, blah. And someone could call it out going, well, that's just a stupid attitude. Well, that's, that's not how we talk. That's not what God is saying about them or you or the situation. And we need to have people around us to identify the lies. See, if you grow alone, you'll grow weird. Because you will just buy into the enemy's lies, hook, line and sinker. Because no one else will be there to help going, you know, this is a stronghold holding you back. So identify the lie. And the third thing, once we've identified the lie, we replace the lie with God's truth. I think this is the biggest thing. And we replace it with God's truth. John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remained faithful to my teaching. And this is the next part. And, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, it's the truth that sets us free. And he says, hang on, if you are faithful to my teaching, well, you'll know the truth. Not if you know my teaching, not if you've heard about my teaching, that if you are faithful to my teaching, then you'll know, not just head knowledge, you'll experience, you'll understand, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is truth. And I'll be set free because of that revelation. I think this is just about the most important thing for us to, to grab a hold of, church. And it seems to be the one that it's so clear to me that this is a spiritual thing because it's hard to get Christians to read their Bible when we all know it is the thing that shares the truth about God and about us. It's hard to get Christians to become people of prayer even though we know that that spoken word, the now word, the reamer of God is the thing that was going to bring revelation and truth and it's gonna set me free. 
There's, it is just so clearly a spiritual battle to get us into those areas. And I think it's, it's such a fierce battle because the enemy knows it, God knows it, we know it, that if we were to get into that, we would find freedom. The enemy doesn't need to keep you out of church, just keep you out of the Word. Don't blame anybody else. We've all got our own Bibles. We've got 6,000 different versions on my phone. I've even got a Hawaiian pigeon uh, translation. Man, talk about revelation. But come on. No one, no one else is in control of my prayer life. That's us. And we need to grab a hold of it so we know when we've acknowledged a lie, identified this is wrong, we can go, well, I know what the truth is and I know where it's found. I can read the Bible and go, well, that's great for that. That's good advice. But Holy Spirit, can you help reveal to me how does that work for me today? How do I grab hold of that truth and apply it? Because it's not the truth known, it's the truth applied that brings freedom. So what are, what are my steps? How do I move in this? See, Jesus said that you're truly actually one of my disciples if this is who you, what you're doing. That you're grabbing hold of His Word, His truth, and applying those things. Jesus Himself says this is how you grab hold of freedom. And that you will only find freedom from whatever a stronghold that you were in from the Word of God. And it applied. Come on, church. There's a stronghold for a reason. It's not not a weak hold, it's a strong one. And so it needs something strong in the return. There is nothing stronger than the Word of God, than the presence of God. So if we wanna be free from these things that are keeping us stuck in a prison, we don't even really understand that we're in most of the time. If we wanna see ourselves be delivered from the place that we are just staying still in, maybe it is emotionally, maybe it is relationally, maybe financially, maybe an addiction, maybe a sin, maybe an attitude, I don't know what it is, but if you wanna see and experience deliverance from those things, it's going to, uh, it's going to require us to take back our thought life to identify, hang on, I am living within a lie and I'm gonna see what God has to say about this. How do I move from here? How do I break down these strongholds in the name of Jesus? So come on church, can we be people of the Word? Can we be people that, that love the Word of God, however, whatever form it comes in? Come on, even if it's soft, even weak, even strong, even deep, whatever, it's the Word of God and it applied that's gonna change our life. That we take ownership of going, I am someone with a relationship with God. I'm not outsourcing it to someone else. I'm not getting a little mini Messiah who can teach me everything. I have the Holy Spirit who in 2 John says that He will teach me all that I need. So I'm gonna connect with Him personally because I'm tired of being stuck in a prison cell when I've already been freed in Jesus' name. Because when we find this truth, these strongholds will be demolished. They'll start to chip away. And my heart for each one of you is to overcome these obstacles, these things that are keeping us trapped. But we need to identify the lies and replace it with the truth of God. The insecurities you are battling with, come on, identify that this, if I, here's a little tip that I've been using for myself. If I don't think it's coming from the mouth of Jesus about me, I shouldn't be thinking it. If I don't think the Father is saying that about me, oh, Doug, you suck. That was awful. Why does anyone like you? Why does this? Why is that? No one, no, no, no. If I, don't, if I couldn't see Jesus saying, hey, Doug, here's what you should think. It's a lie. And so and then I need to replace it. Well, okay, well, God, what do you say about me? 
I say these things. All right, I'm going to replace it and grab hold of that until I believe it, until I know it, until I've applied it, until I can experience, hang on, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the head and not the tail, that I am more than a conqueror. Yeah. This is my heart for every one of you, that we bust through these strongholds, bust through these lies, not living in darkness, but we step into that light and that life of Jesus. Let me pray for you, hey? Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good, loving God. Lord, we need you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you, you help us in this journey. Lord, that we're not going to just to, to let go as a church and as individuals that just go, well, whatever happens, happens. And wherever I end up, that just must be your will, God. No, you've put a lot of these things in our hands that you've laid out the path and you're calling us to follow. Lord, that you're calling us to, to change the way we think, that we might change the way we live and the way that we are. Lord, help us win this battle. Help us get better at this. Help us have people around us who are going in that same direction, who will, who will talk to us genuinely about these and give us the boldness to actually share about where we're at, that we might be able to identify these lies. Lord, but not just leave it there, Lord, but we get to be people who know you for ourselves as well. That we have a relationship with you, that we, we know the Word of God, what you've said Lord, and we have this personal relationship with you, Holy Spirit, that we know what you're saying to us. And we might find deliverance and freedom from anything that's bounding us and holding us back. Now, as every eye is closed and head is bowed, I don't know if you have a relationship, whether you know God personally. You might know plenty about Him and you've heard things, you've grown up one way, or just this isn't a thing that you attend. But can I tell you that you'll find freedom in all these things that Jesus has for you in that relationship, in knowing God personally. When you turn around from going, well, I'm going my own way and tagging church in to saying, God, lead me where you want me to go. Come on, everything changes from there. The first thing, there's no way to find freedom without knowing God. No, no discovering purpose without knowing God. And so I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I want to pray for you and lead you in a prayer that potentially starts this journey, this heart that you have in knowing God personally, not delegated out between you and Him. So if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. And as an outward sign of this inward decision, as a step of faith, come on, would you just raise your hand just so I can see it? No one else is looking around, but just as a sign to God saying, God, would you come into my life? I wanna know you personally. I wanna know you for myself, not delegated out. I wanna know you. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. Church, will we celebrate with these people this morning? Come on. Because they're not in it alone. And they're never going to be in it alone. We're the church, the people of God. We go through this together. But come on, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray for these people with me? Lord, that, I just want to pray for you as well and show you an example of a prayer. There's no right or wrong way to say it, no right order. There's no good words. Uh, but just from your heart, let's pray together, hey? Father, I thank You that You love us. 
Lord, that You sent Your Son, Jesus, to die for us. Lord, every single one of us, that we might know life and life abundantly. Lord, I pray that You transform us, that You turn us around. And Lord, that sin, those habits, those things that are no good for our life, Lord, that, that they might, might be demolished and they fall off our life, that we can walk into this freedom that You have for us. Help us reveal more about who You are and who we are as well, that we can discover out why we're here and make the difference You create us for. In Jesus' Name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.